told Linda last Sunday, I said, do you think people mind when I sit up there? I said, uh, I've been, I stay dizzy all the time. I'm supposed to go on a couple times and have some tests, but every time I'm supposed to go, they announce how many people, how many cases of COVID they have at the hospital, so I've rescheduled. Well, I ain't going to, got enough problems, don't need to swim in the cesspools. <laughs> I rescheduled, but uh, he's going to check uh, what's those veins in my neck, see if he's clogged up. I was going to put a heart monitor. And I think they had a test for just stupid too, didn't they? And, uh, but man, I get so dizzy. I stumble. I fall. Uh, what was it, two Sundays ago when we had that motorcycle ride, uh, Barry Mason run? We pulled out. I was on the track, and uh, Mike Hensley went up to the road to block uh, traffic. Well, his ankle krill, and he just kind of laid his bike over, so... I put mine in neutral and pulled a brake and jumped off to help him. That's had one of them dizzy spells about the time I jumped off. Linda said I looked like a drunk staring all the way across the road and landed near the ditch. I mean, I hit so hard, I had a leather jacket on, it scarred it all to pieces. I had to use shoe polish to fix it up. But uh, what was it, day before yesterday, she's got some chickens. She's <laughs> staggering chickens. Uh, she was fixing some uh, she's crazy about her chickens, fixing them, fencing and all that, so I thought I'd go out there and help her, and I leaned over too long, and here I go falling on my fat face again, and so if it don't bother you, uh, I may be up and down, but I just, uh, I hate being dizzy, it ain't a bit of fun. I want to share some things with you, um, years ago, it just, was really on my mind big time, it just really... Uh, and, and I get like this from time to time. I just getting get to thinking about uh, what a low life all of us are when you start thinking about the purity and the goodness and the holiness of God. And I, I get that on my mind thinking, why would such a wonderful God even fool with somebody like me? You may say, what, what, what have you done? I, I may not have done any more than... than what you have done, and I've done worse, and a lot of you have ever done. And I just like one time I had uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Tony Peterson. He had attended church here, and he stopped coming to church. And he said, uh, I asked him, I said, what's up? He said, everybody talks about how bad you are. He said, I ran with you. I said, well, you ran with me for a while. <laughs> I said, and things changed after that. But what happened years ago, because I ride motorcycles, and because I, these people came here who were, had been pretty rough characters, they came to interview me about the biker church. Well, whoever the reporter was, I don't know who it was, decided that I guess it'd make it more interesting talking about how bad I used to be. And I thought, wow, I missed all that. I, <laughs> I don't know when that happened. As like one time a guy who wrote plays in, in, on Broadway he called me and said, can I do a, a story about your life? I said, no, I ain't finished with it yet. And uh, he said, well, just before you got saved, things like that, I, I'd like to write your biography. I said, no, no, I don't. I said, uh, because if I tell uh, the whole thing, it's going to hurt a lot of people still around right now. And I said, I, I don't want to do that. It's going to cause embarrassment and hurt. And I said, uh, I ain't going to do it. 
Well, he took it on himself, just what little bit he knew about me, to go ahead and make up and write a couple chapters and send it down here for me to look over. Well, Linda got the mail before I did. And I came home, and she was so mad. I said, what's the matter? She said, this guy's writing a book on your biographies. Who are all these women you slept with and all? I said, what? I said, well, yeah. He, and she read, oh, it was unreal, wasn't it? I don't know who that guy was, but I sure missed a lot. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, just what I have screwed up in in my life. Uh, like I say, some people may say, well, that's not that big a deal. And others look at me like, man, we didn't know that about you, this, that, and the other. But irrespective, we hear the term a lot of times to repent. Well, let me tell you something. People get the cart before the horse. You cannot, listen to me, you cannot repent until you come to the Lord. A lot of people say, we've got to repent and come to the Lord. Let me tell you, you, can, you get in the cart before the horse. So anyway, I get this on my mind from time to time, and I, I think it's healthy, spiritually healthy. And so I don't ever want, in fact, as God's Word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you have ever been in a right relationship with the Lord, if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you'll stop and ask yourself, how could I have ever lived the way I used to live? How could I ever have lived the way I used to live? I looked up there at Bo. Remember that night uh, Junior Cole went to get paid and that guy opened a shotgun up on us and hit me in the back? And your bike broke, and Junior Cole jumped on the bike, on my bike, and said, get out of here. I said, not without Bo. I said, uh, hold your hand back there, and we pulled you and your bike up a road. What, what happened to it that night? Chain come off the rear sprocket. Always keep your chain tight, because you never know when somebody's going to shoot at you. And uh, came home that night, and the back of my helmet was pitted with shot, and my jacket... But uh, a lot of my stories, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was watching something the other night. What was it we was watching? I think it's last night. It's on the NCIS New Orleans. And it showed them raiding in a building. I said, that reminds me of the world. That night I was in a, a trailer. In fact, Bo, you might, you're a bad influence on me, Bo. I was in a trailer. They was, having, <laughs> they was having a heck of a party. i never seen so many drugs in my life. I'm serious. I'd been around some pot and stuff like that, but they had bowls of drugs. And all of a sudden, I came in, and uh, police, I mean, I was there, and all of a sudden, the police busted the door down, and it was a mobile home, and whoever designed a mobile home with two doors on the same side ought to be hung. I knew there was a back door, and I thought, if I can just get down that hallway, I'll be all right. And I got about halfway down that hallway, and a big old cop grabbed me, drug me through the rest of the trailer, threw me out on the front yard, sat on my back, and he said, what's your name? I said, Vic Young. He said, who's your dad? <laughs> I said, Leo Young. He said, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm not going to take you to jail. I'm going to take you to your dad. And I promise you, I said, please take me to jail. Please, please take me to jail. I begged him all the way home, please. I thought all I could see was my whole life, all 16 years of it, <laughs> passing through my mind. 
But I get to think it back to some of the things, like Larry and I were talking. The older I get, the, the clearer my memory is on things way back when, and yet I can't remember things of yesterday. Anybody else like that? This morning, <laughs> but Lord, I thought to myself, how could I have done or even thought the things that I was doing wasn't that big a deal? And then the more you understand, more you understand the love of God, and the more you understand how ugly sin is in the sight of God. And so I wrote wrote these. I had those little um, uh, these little bands made. The ones we handed out last week. If you didn't get one, we got some more for you. It's got the letters B G G N A. In fact, we had some T-shirts. We still got any more of those T-shirts that had. We don't, they don't have no more. B G G N A. Well. I did that because people are going to come up and say, what's B-G-G-N-A? And it gives you an opportunity to share your faith. B-G-G-N-A means, by God's grace, never again. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to even think the way I use That's what's bothered me about this race, people. You, I've been thinking some horrible, horrible thoughts of what I'd like to do. I've, in my mind... I've laid out a plan for civil war and everything else. You just, you just can't imagine. I know, Willie, I know where to attack first, who to attack, and how to go about it. So I have to, I'll think on that for about 10 minutes and go, Lord, please forgive me for that. I should not have been thinking about, about that sort of thing. Anybody else have been doing that lately? Okay, y'all are scary. Uh, but in any event, by God's grace, never again. When we come to know the Lord, He draws us. We feel the need for a Savior. And feeling the need for a Savior, we may start to search for the Lord. And it's only after you accept Jesus Christ that you can repent. You see, a lot of people have told me in the past, as soon as I get my life straightened out, I'll be over at that church. Guess what? You ain't got to, well, then you'll never be there. You'll never be able to get your life straightened out by yourself. It's only after you have the Lord, after the entrance of the Holy Spirit, that you have the grace to repent. The word repent means just like you're walking in one situation and you turn around and go back another direction. That's what repent means. Going in one direction and stop and turn around. If you have your Bibles with you, look over here at Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 57. Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Now, I want you to take particular note of verse 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Once you have set your hand to the plow and looking back, the plow yeah, you've started on a new trek. you started on a new life. You're, walking, you're seeking to walk in paths of righteousness. Once you choose that, that path, don't start looking back. I've told people for 
a long time I've heard I've said here in the church that uh, after all these years I see people who get what I call the seven year itch I've seen people come in here in church accept Jesus Lord and Savior be baptized get on fire for the things of the Lord and just so gung-ho but then in about five to six to seven years all of a sudden you don't see them anymore oftentimes I think that's the real acid test Charles Spurgeon preached a sermon one Sunday and a fellow met him on the street and asked him he said how many people got saved last Sunday at your church he said three he said three I was there there was a whole bunch of people went for it he said yeah but only three people were living it at all this week. You see, it don't matter how hard, how loud you yell or how high you jump. The proof is in the pudding. Is there a change in your life? Is the Holy Spirit moved in? When we look at this, if you come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, no man builds a tower but what he first counts the cost unless when he starts to build he runs out of money or funds and becomes embarrassed because he started. We have a lot of too easy believism. Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book, it's a classic called The Cost of Discipleship. A lot of times people don't compute the cost. We have a lot of Easy believism. I, I never. The only time I ever went to a Billy Graham crusade. That that was awesome. Anybody been to a Billy Graham crusade? It's it's amazing. It took longer uh, for people to come down to the front as it did for Billy Graham to preach his message. That's how many people were coming down. And I've known people who have gone forward at a Billy Graham crusade, and then you wouldn't know them from anybody else who's living in the world. Just because you make a profession of faith, if, you're, if you haven't really turned your heart and soul over to the Lord, you better check and see if you have a spiritual pulse. And to come and follow Jesus is not easy. Why do you think Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. We have a, a lot of these crusades. All you have to do is just come down that aisle. No, it's more than that. But if the Holy Spirit is drawing you, we look in John chapter 6, verses 60 to 66. It said, when Jesus started to preach, many started to leave because they said the things that he preached were too hard, too difficult. And it goes on to tell us that Jesus knew what was in the heart of everyone there. And he looked at his disciples and said, Will you also go away? Fortunately, Simon Peter said, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of truth and life. Where would we go? You see, being a Christian is not easy. If you thought it was going to be a Disneyland or a, a rose garden, you're going to, real quick you're going to be shocked. That's like Doug here, when he came here to church and turned his life over to the Lord, right after that you got cancer, didn't you? Uh, praise God, he brought him through, and uh, we just praise God for all the, the wonderful things he's done for Doug and so many of us here. But if you think coming to the Lord is just going to take away all your problems, 
Here's the way I've looked at it. Before you were saved, you were the property of the devil. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 18. You are of your father the devil, and the works of your father you will do. But once you are saved, then you are a threat to the powers of darkness. Then you become the enemy to the powers of darkness. And be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He stalks you to try to find what your weakness is. Sometimes Christians, truly born-again Christians, will mess up bigger than anybody else. And the world will point and laugh and say, look at the hypocrisy, but they have no clue as to what happened and the kind of battle they were under. And so when we become a Christian, then it's time for us to repent. And again, to quote Spurgeon, we will ask ourselves, how could we who are now, as Romans 6 says, dead to trespasses and sin, ever even consider to go back to such a thing again. When you read in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, you'll see that God's Word tells us about those who were born again, those who came out of the world, those who were saved. And then, I like what that 22nd verse says. The dog has returned to the vomit. The pig has returned to the mire or to the mud. And people said, see, you can lose your salvation. And that's not what that's saying. You see, the pig was never anything but a pig. The dog was never anything but a dog. They had never been changed. They were among the changed, but in their heart they were still the pig and the dog. Jesus said in Matthew 12, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do my will. And I said, But Lord, have we not done many mighty wonderful works in your name, cast out demons in your name, and healed the sick in your name? And Jesus looked at him and said, Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Never. I never knew you. You were never mine. People go to church for a lot of reasons, and they're not all the right reasons. People claim to be Christians, but I have learned that they're just philosophical Christians. They're not truly born-again Christians. Philosophical because they see that Jesus is the litmus test of how to have character in life. But they're not born again. And God's Word said, you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. In Matthew chapter 12, we see an interesting teaching that starts in verse 43. In Matthew 12, starting verse 43, God's Word tells us that when someone who is demonically possessed and that demon is cast out, and if nothing has replaced that, when that demon goes out into the world, he'll gather up other demons and says, we're out here wandering in the world. Let us go back from whence we came. And that demon will come back and enter that individual plus the other demons and God's Word says, the end of that individual is worse than the beginning. You see, you may go, and we see the same thing in Matthew chapter 13. About the seed that fell on the good ground, the seed that fell on the rocky ground, the, the seed that, that fell on the briars. But only the seed that fell in the good ground actually produced root and fruit and was indicative of a right relationship and those who are the Lord's. 
You see, you may hear the, the message of Jesus Christ. You may get excited. You may be demonically set free. And I'm not going to go in demonology right now. Maybe sometime I'll teach on that. You may be free from the demonic powers that guided you. But if you haven't replaced it with the Holy Spirit, it's going to be worse for you than you ever thought before. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people. There's one individual that stays on my mind probably more than anybody else. I still pray for him, and it's been years. He came to church here. He came to the Lord. I would take him with me to events and speaking situations. We did a, a Angel TV network, wanted us to do a TV show, and we went down to, what, where was that city in Florida? Do you remember? Anyway, was it Palm Beach? Was it something like that? Anyway had the studios down there. So we went down there. We had a whole setting uh, that looked like a garage. We still have that. We need to show that sometime. And uh, I took some of the guys I handpicked who I knew their testimony to go down there and be on that TV show with me. And I was, well, the, it looked like a garage. It looked like they were working in a garage. And I'd go to each one and I'd tell a little bit about what they were like, what was going on in their life till they came to know Jesus, Lord and Savior. This individual that has tore my heart out all these many years was one of those individuals. And all of a sudden, he came here for years. He was a deacon. And it's all of a sudden, it's just like, I mean, that, that quick, he immediately went right back out into the world. And every time I ask about him, he's still out there wallowing in the mud. And people may say, hey, I knew so-and-so when he was saved. All I can say is, Here's, it's either one or two things. If he's genuinely saved, then he will come back. If he's not genuinely saved, then he'll stay the dog that returned to the vomit and the pig that wallowed in the mud. And I love the man. I even went to his house one time and I said, Look, if it's something I said or did... Why don't you just, me and you just get into it right now and you just go ahead and knock the crap out of me right now for whatever it is, I'll let you do that. But don't stay away from the church. No, it ain't anything you did. I said, man, don't turn your back on the things of the Lord. He got in with a guy who was, they claim he's a millionaire. And, uh, well, that's all I'm going to say about it. To repent means that you have turned away from the direction you're going, a destructive situation, and turned around to the paths of righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 6, if you want to turn there, I want to show something to you right along this line. Hebrews chapter 6. Linda, I like them little tabs you gave me there. That... Uh, that works good, except I didn't hit the right page. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 to 9. Matt's not here to tell me how much time I have, Linda. You got a clock? What time is it? Oh, then I've got two hours. All right. Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ... Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. 
of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. I've been in theological debates with Arminians that says, see right there, if you backslide, if you walk away from the Lord, it's impossible for you to come back to a right relationship. Your salvation was based on your works. And I'll say, no, you're reading something totally different from what that says. God's Word says, let us leave the principles of baptism, of resurrections. In other words, once you're saved, truly saved, and you understand about the Holy Spirit, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. Once you understand about the vicarious atonement, substitutionary atonement, once you understand about baptisms and the purpose of that, once your name is written on the Lamb's Book of Life, you cannot go back and do that again because once you're saved, you are saved for eternity. That's what that's saying. It's saying it's impossible for those who have once been saved and enlightened and received the Holy Spirit to do it again because it says... To do so, you'd be crucifying Christ all over again. Only, here, here's, the, here's the thing about backsliding. Only a Christian can backslide. Do you realize that? You had to have been somewhere before you can backslide. A non-Christian may fool everybody and you think he's a Christian, but God knows their heart, just like he said in John 6. But if you're truly saved, you can screw up. There's been times in my life, even as a pastor, uh, what, 43 years as a full-time pastor, Linda, that even as a pastor, in fact, I've shared with you all numerous times, sometimes I, I, I get into those uh, moods where I think about what a, uh, just like John Newton in that song, Amazing Grace, what a wretch I am and how good God is and I want to spend eternity with him with him and I get so down and I get depressed I never will forget one time I hiked up to the tower there at Bays Mountain and I just sat down on that concrete uh, foundation of the tower up there and all the way up that, that mountain as I was hiking I was thinking about how wonderful beautiful pure holy righteous God is and I was thinking about the things that I think about the things that I have done and I just sat there and bawled like a baby Lord how could you you know I'll tell you right now I'm sorry for this that and the other and chances are within a week I'll screw up again you see my salvation is a gift from God it's not based on my works I will screw up and you will screw up but praise God my salvation is a free gift from God that if we believe that Jesus Christ was crucified and raised from the dead thou shalt be saved my repentance means I turn away from, a, from carnality in the world not to earn or keep salvation, but because I am saved. And now I have the, the Holy Spirit live within me, and I do not want the things of the world. The things of the world become distasteful for me. I don't want it. 
I don't like it. I don't like the way the things of the world makes me feel. I hate guilt. I hate feelings of guilt. And the Holy, there's a difference between guilt and conviction. The Holy Spirit will convict me, but the devil will make sure I feel guilty. The devil will say, come on over here, do this, man. It'll, it'll please all senses, all your five senses. Come on over and do this. And then as soon as you do, he'll be the first one to say, look what you did. You called yourself a Christian, you low life. How dare you even go to church or even call upon the name? The Lord ain't going to do anything for you now because you have done what you have done. And you can get physically, physically ill. In fact, one psychologist said most of our mental energy is spent on dealing with feelings of guilt in our life. I hate the things of the world because of how it makes me feel. It's just like people that, and I've been tempted to this so many daggone times that you're going through a rough time and you're down and depressed and think, man, if I just had a bottle for one night so I just stop thinking, you know, just stop thinking. I still have trouble with that. Linda don't even realize. I still, so, and, and mom, it's because Linda's always saying, go get your bottle, you'll feel better. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I'm just, I'm just, uh, a baby bottle. <laughs> okay. I knew I could count on you. But uh, I'll tell you what, here's a week ago. I was really having some bad times with some memories and things and all that. And I thought I'd just like to be able to shut the switch off for a little bit. I thought I'd go around the drive-in window. Nobody know I'll sit here in my room. And uh, I think, good gravy, what am I thinking? I'm just being honest. I've always been honest with the congregation. Other preachers say, you tell too much about yourself. And I think, no, people need to realize there is nothing new under the sun. For the same temptation as tempted you tempts all men. And so many times it would be easy to take a pill. I take, what you say, 13 pills in the morning and how many at night? And one of them is, um, uh, what, what's that one? It's a... LSD, that's it. And y'all are not really here. I'm still in my PJs. <laughs> no, the one for pain. What is it? Tramadol, okay. Um, that's, it's the lowest non-habit-forming pain pill you can get. But if I don't have it, my doctor asked me, he said, well, if you didn't take this... Uh, what, what would life be like for you? I said, well, I'd either be on a cane or a walker. It was so bad that I did a funeral. My nephew's funeral, I had to go in a, on a walker. Because, and I could go on and on and tell you what's wrong with my back and my neck and all that. And that's from hitting T-boning a cow with a motorcycle. Don't ever T-bone a cow with a motorcycle. It's just no, it just, uh, it's like hitting a car, Cecil. It's just no good. As my grandson used to say, Papa, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> you got that right. So I'm tempted just like anybody else for things. You know, I'm tempted sometimes. I'll, I'll be hurting so bad. Linda knows. I'll sit up at nighttime and put that thing that you bought me for my neck and turn on the sky. And I, I have to sit up all night. I can't even lay down. Every night I sleep propped up. To this day, I sleep propped up every night. Linda sleeps upstairs, and I sleep downstairs propped up. 
And I, I'd love to I envy people who say, oh, I had to sleep in today. I thought, you slept? And I have to sleep up like that. And Linda sleeps upstairs. She's got a door and a window. And I hear about every night somebody coming down that ladder. Where you go, Lynn? You ain't telling? You know, you get after a while, you get to hurting for this, that, or the other. And you get pain will get you down, people. When I counsel people, I know what pain and sickness will do to you. I know what depression will do to you. But here's one thing I can tell you uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. There have been times, even though I have a, a very deep theological training, I have, and I'm not putting rose on my shoulder, I have studied under some of the best theologians in the world, and that's no exaggeration. But there's some times that all I can do is sit there and go, Jesus, 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 help me, Jesus. If you've never been in that situation, praise God. I've been in a situation, even as a pastor, I've, I've got pistols laying on the, beside the front door, and I've got a bunch of them beside my bed. I've got, I even got one in the bathroom because I'd hate to be on the throne when somebody broke in. Wouldn't that be, have you ever thought about that? Would that not be embarrassing? You'd feel like Elvis Presley. You know, that's, he died while he's on the throne. You know, you think you've got a bad job. How would you like to go on and clean that mess up? Every time, if you all ever think you've got a bad job, just realize you could be Pelosi's doctor. Yeah, that'll make you appreciate what you do. And I cleaned that one up, didn't I, Lynn? But in any event, uh, sometimes you, you see... People have said, Vic, do, do people who commit suicide, do they go to hell? According to the Catholics, uh, that is a, a sin that is not forgiven. Uh, and I used to say that a person who commits suicide wouldn't go to heaven. But then I have known people that I know love the Lord, and they had committed suicide. And it really spin, sent me into a tailspin. Is it possible? There's a lot of reasons for suicide. But the number one reason for suicide is this. The individual sees a problem in their life that they think is too big to get over, under, or around. They at that time have a view that the devil has painted a picture that is unrealistic. Remember this, because with the Christian, nothing stays the same. With the Christian and time and faith, nothing stays the same. It will change. And that's when we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. There's been times, people, where I have reached my hand out and said, Jesus, please just hold my hand. And there's been times I can almost feel the scar in Jesus' hand. Now, I, I've had people try to say how bad I am and horrible, and Linda's wondered about this, that, and the other, and I, I have done some bad things, and I've thought some terrible things, and I'd love to be able to go back and change a whole bunch of things. And I feel guilty. But the only reason you feel guilty is because the devil's attacking you. 
and you feel conviction because you have the Holy Spirit. If your life is such that you feel no conviction about what you're doing, you are not saved. The Holy Spirit will cause conviction in your life. That's why there's little bands I have in my hand we give out, BGGNA. It's only by God's grace, never again. Burn the bridges that lead to the past. Burn the bridges and, 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 and walk in paths of righteousness. To earn salvation, no. Nothing else is just a better way of life. God's Word says, the psalmist says, that He renews your youth as the eagle. If you are in righteousness, He will renew your youth like the eagle. I know probably everybody in here, you have had uh, friends and such that's lived a rough life. And uh, you see them years later and they look like they're 80 years old. Have you ever noticed that? But to those who walk in the Lord, you can tell the difference. They have what's called the Shekinah glow about them if they really love the Lord. Don't mean that they don't have problems. In fact, there's a whole charismatic Pentecostal group that you have to be a phony. You have to go around smiling all the time like everything's hunky-dory and praise God. That's not realistic. Paul got down. Read 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he gives a whole list of the people who have turned their back on him. There's, there's, there's time that uh, we see in the Old Testament, Saul. You look in 1 Kings 19. Saul laid down and wanted to die. He said, Lord, let me die. And Jesus, uh, the Lord told Saul, said, uh, get up. He said, I have 5,000 people that have not bowed a knee to Baal. And Saul thought he was the only one who was fighting this feeling and fighting those things. Now, I can, I can honestly say, I don't care what the temptation is. I don't care if it's pain. I don't care if it's depression. I think the worst pain is a love gone wrong. I think of a young lady who used to go to church here. She fell in love with this guy. I never met him. I didn't know him. And uh, she found out he was running around on her, and he, he left her. And she took a whole bunch of pills. And uh, they was able, they got her at the emergency room and uh, was able to, to save her life. And she was in her room, but when she got her life saved, the pills she took destroyed her liver. And the doctor said, uh, she's not going to live. And I went in and talked to her. I said, uh, will you repent for what you have done? Will you? No. Even after that, she said, I still want to die. I just want to die. I think uh, sometimes somebody, uh, unrequited love, somebody you wanted their love and you wanted to be loved and don't, that's some of the most devastating pain you'll ever experience in your life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will be with you always, even to the end of the world. All people have feet of clay and they will let you down.
will forget, Dad taught me a lot of things. One thing he'd always say, the first time he said it, I thought, wow, that's pretty harsh. He said, never trust anyone too far. Never trust anyone too far. And he's right. You know why? Because I don't trust myself. John Wesley saw a man going to the gallows. And John Wesley said, but by the grace of God, there go I. If the circumstance and environment is right, everybody here is capable of doing things that right now you couldn't imagine you'd ever do. Bless you. You realize that? Under certain cases, people sitting here today said, oh, I'd never kill anybody. Oh, yeah, you would. Have you ever got a mouse trap and seen it tried to attack you? I have. I know a woman got pecked by a rooster just the other day. You learn to keep your hands away from that thing, won't you? Now, everybody here, every day is, is keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Hitting back on suicide just a little bit. Do I still believe that everybody commits suicide goes to hell? I, I can't say that. I can't. I, I'm, I'm not adamant like I was in my younger days. I don't have a final work. And so if you lost your salvation because of that, then indeed your salvation would have been based on the things that you have done and not by grace. Then the question comes up, can a truly born-again Christian commit suicide? That's a good question. You see, God's Word tells us in Deuteronomy 22, those things that are revealed belong unto us and our children, but the secret things belong unto God. You will always have questions. You will all, There's things that you will not know till you get home to be with the Lord. But this thing I know, by God's grace, never again. I look at that bracelet on my arm many, many times. In fact, I knew a fellow that he, he was taught that the best way to handle addiction, he'd put a rubber band on his wrist, and he'd, every time he was tempted, he'd flip himself with that rubber band to let him re be reminded of, of the pain of giving in to temptation. Well, if you want to, these are rubbery. They can, <laughs> And if you, if you want, get an extra one and slap your spouse with it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't take that serious. But... Uh, I'm telling you people, every one, every one of us here go through ups and downs. Uh, I've met some people that in their marriage, they said, we have, never, we have never argued once in our life. And I'll look at them like, you're either a liar or you're living like brother and sister instead of husband and wife. Uh, you live with somebody. In fact, I had a couple here at the church tell me one time. I think, I'm not saying that they weren't true. I was teaching on that, and they said, we've, we've never had an argument. I was teaching up in, uh, doing a marriage seminar up in Hillsville, Virginia. And I asked that question. I said, anybody here been married for any at length of time and never had an argument? An old couple raised their hand in the back of the sanctuary. I said, maybe you didn't hear me right. I said, you have, how many years have you been married? And they said, like 50-some years. I said, never had an argument? Never had an argument. Well, as soon as I got done, half the church couldn't wait to get up there and tell me the story. They never argued. Never, never exchanged harsh words. However, just recently at that time I was speaking, she wanted a particular coat, and he wouldn't buy it. 
And so she went to bed and stayed there for a week till he consented to buy it. That's called passive aggressive. You can argue without even saying a word, can't you, Willie? Yeah, yeah, he got tired of sleeping in another room and fixing his own food, didn't he? He thought it was easier. She won that argument. He didn't even know he'd been in an argument. <laughs> Folks, life isn't easy, but by God's grace, never again. It might be tough to be a Christian, but it literally, being a Christian, beats the hell out of living without him. And I mean that literally. Amen? Let's stand, if you would, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your holy presence to thank you for this day, to thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your love. We thank you that indeed you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by you. And Father, we all stand here today and ask that you'd forgive us of all our wrongs, and that you'd grant us grace to continue to walk in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Father, I pray if anyone here today does not know you as the Lord and the Savior of their life, that they'll pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord and my God and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, please fill me to overflowing. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, while Jenny's playing this invitation, please come to the front of the church. Appreciate each one here today. Please be careful to use good common sense out and about. Uh, know we love you, and uh, Jesus loves you more than anyone. And He doesn't base his, his His love is unconditional. I don't care how bad you screw up, He still loves you. And now sometimes that's hard to get your your heart and mind around. But nevertheless, it's not based on feeling. It's based on fact. Amen? Father, thank you so much for this day and this time of worship and fellowship. Please guide us now in our going out and coming in and bring us back again at the appointed time. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name and all of God's children said, Amen. God bless you. Matt will have the teaching tonight online at 6 o'clock.